0: Uh, one more thing, of course, I was talking about listening to podcasts earlier, um, and I forgot, of course, the most important podcast is the fact that we have a C3 Norwood podcast, which is now available in the iTunes store, which, let me tell you, feel, fills me with fear and trepidation <laughs> uh, in a good sort of way. Um, but yes, if you've missed out on anything on Sunday, you can catch up with it, warts and all, uh, on our own podcast. It's exciting. It's exciting. Who's excited this morning? Who's just a bit hot and tired and would like to be excited but can't be bothered? Most of you, yes. Well, I'm going to try and get you past that this morning, because I'm about to deliver you something which is not just exciting for this morning, but is going to be exciting for the next month, possibly the month after that. Heck, possibly 2016. And I'm excited about what we're preaching this morning. Because it's it's transforming, it's life changing, and who knows that transformation doesn't take one message? No, you think it does? I'm sorry to disappoint you. Then transformation takes time. Changing of attitudes takes time. Who's got an attitude here this morning? Come on, either you're dead or you've got an attitude. Come on, let's see those hands. Uh, ushers, can you please take out the dead people? If you have your Bibles or your phone or your tablet with you today, please turn with me to the book of Galatians. Chapter 1, verse 1. Are we there yet? Good. If you can't get there, it's behind me. Galatians, chapter 1, verse 1 says, This letter is from Paul. So, Paul has this habit of... Letting people know up front who the letter's from. An apostle, I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. All the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Good start to a letter, perhaps a little old-fashioned for our taste today. But it's a good start. Now we're going to spend quite a bit of time in this book of Galatians in the coming months. So I want you to have a bit of background from where Paul is coming from. Not only so that we can see how this letter fits in with the other letters that Paul wrote. Because this wasn't the only one. He was actually, he wrote quite a few letters. But also I want us to see the crucial differences between this letter and all the others. You see what Paul brings to our attention in the letter to the Galatians is dangerous stuff. It's dynamite. Who knows what dynamite is? For those of you, you can take a nanonap if you know, because I'm about to tell you. Dynamite is actually nitroglycerine embedded in diatomaceous earth. If you're a fan of ACDC, you've got it wrong because they say that I'm TNT, I'm dynamite. They're not the same thing. TNT is trinitrotoluene, which was discovered sometime later than dynamite um, and isn't as powerful, by the way. I always thought TNT was a more powerful explosive, but dynamite is actually the, one of the most powerful explosives. And dynamite is really, really useful because you can blow things up with it. Um, All <laughs> well, the boys said amen. <laughs> but I, I had a friend once who was a mining engineer and he said, the problem with dynamite is that it sweats and when it sweats, it gets on everything and you have to use gloves when you're using dynamite. And he said, often what happens is you're down a mine and you drill a hole into the rock face and you feed the dynamite in and you're very careful not to touch anything cause it, with your gloves because it gets really hot in the mine. And so what happens if you don't watch yourself, what you do is that. And the dynamite on the glove gets on your forehead. And instantly, you develop a blinding headache, which is almost crippling. He said a number of times he's almost fallen over on the spot because the blinding pain that hits you is incredible. Because you see, nitroglycerin is a vasodilator, which means it makes your veins or blood vessels expand. And in fact, if you've had heart problems, they often give you nitroglycerin pills. It's not to blow you up. (laughs) It's actually to increase... Uh, the, do- the diameter of your, of your veins and arteries and things so that y- you don't get a blockage. And so what happens is, you put this to your head, it's absorbed instantly through your skin and all the, uh, all the blood vessels in your head suddenly expand. All this blood rushes to your head and goes thump against the bottom of your skull. Well, I don't know whether it does that bit but it sounded good. And so as you can see, dynamite has its uses but it's got to be handled really carefully. Otherwise, it can do nasty things. And this information that I'm going to share with you, because this is is one of those secrets. You are privileged to be in on one of the biggest secrets. Anyway. So, Paul addresses this in the book of Galatians in a way that he doesn't address it anywhere else in the New Testament. He addresses it strongly, aggressively, and persuasively. We're going to do... uh, I'm not going to do it by myself. I've got a team behind me and we're going to roll this thing through and we're going to be changed when we come out the end of it. I pray that that's going to happen. I won't swear to you that it'll happen, but I pray that it will. In fact, let's all pray together right now. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power that dwells within it. And Lord, we ask that it be revealed to us as we listen, as we open our ears to hear that we don't just have our brains tickled, we don't just have our minds intrigued, but we have our hearts and our very way of living changed by the power of your word, in Jesus' name. And all the excited people said? Amen. And all the bored people said? Amen. Right. Got your names. Okay, but more about that later. Let's, Let's look at the historical context. The Apostle Paul was a church planting missionary. After he planted a church, stayed there a few years and left the region, he continued to supervise this new congregation through letters. Now, that is like today, supervising through emails, SMSs, Twitter, Facebook, and anything, because back then he was using cutting-edge technology. Writing by hand on pieces of parchment, probably not even paper at that stage, was the cutting edge. There were some places in the world where they would kill you if they knew you could read and write it was dangerous. Information was dangerous and if you had, you could read and write and the rest, rest of the people couldn't, they would kill you because you were obviously uh, an agent of change, uh, a dangerous person because they couldn't read what you had on, those funny squiggles you put on that parchment and people were afraid of writing. So it was just like going in somewhere um, with your mobile phone and having it stolen and you're getting bashed for it because it's dangerous actually, it's probably not correct but never mind. Uh, And the letter of Galatians was probably written about A.D. 50, which is about 15 or 20 years after the death of Jesus Christ. So very recent writings. So if we look at it, initially it's very similar to a lot of the other letters that Paul wrote. if you've got your Bible, can you do quick bookmarks through this? We're going to race through a couple of scriptures. The start of the letter to the Philippians starts like this. This is a letter from Paul and Timothy. So here we go. Paul declares himself right at the beginning slaves of Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. I am writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus including the elders and deacons. wonder why he singled them out. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. The letter to the Colossians this is a letter from Paul amazing chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy we are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. Anybody see a pattern here? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. This letter is from Paul. Chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Sosthenes. Who's ever heard of Sosthenes? Yeah. No? A secret. Perhaps we should investigate. Not today. I am writing to God's church in Corinth. To you have been called by God to be his own holy people. He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus, just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. So here we can see that Paul set a pattern in place of greeting for these churches. And if, if we look in the reverse order... We can see that he follows that with another pattern of prayer and thanksgiving in all these letters. 1 Corinthians 4, uh, 1 Corinthians one verse four, "I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts He has given you, now that you belong to Christ Jesus. Through him, God has enriched your church in every way." I words and all of your knowledge, and this confirms what I told you about Christ is true. So he's being. Pretty nice, isn't he? Colossians 1, verses 3 to 5. We always pray for you. And we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which comes from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. Seems fairly happy with the Colossians. Philippians 1. Verse 3, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. So he likes to, get, likes to start off with a bit of feel good. He likes to let churches know he's been keeping an eye on them. He's seen what they've been doing. And perhaps they haven't got it all right, but he loves them. He's praying for them he's believing with them he's proud of what they've done he is really encouraging people to carry on the work that he's done until we get to galatians galatians 1 6 i am shocked that you are turning away so soon from god who called you to himself through the loving mercy of christ You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news but is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Where's the feel good? Where's the well done good and faithful servant? Where's the okay you guys, So I'm really proud of you, you've been doing well. Um, Let's bring a little correction here. No, he lays it right in, goes straight for the jugular without even pausing for breath. I am astonished, flabbergasted, horrified, disgusted with you people. If I got a letter like that, I probably wouldn't read any further. It's like, what did I do? So, what has he discovered? There's got to be something horrendously wrong here. Just excuse me while I have a drink. Could be really bad. Could be horrible. No reading ahead. That would be cheating. Perhaps it's sexual sin. Poor. Juicy, eh? No reading ahead. Perhaps it's, well, let's not speculate go too far. Let let me just explain his outrage a little more, before we delve into what it is, because I might not tell you today. Imagine that you won the lottery. Who would like that? This is a great, this is odd lotto. You're poorer as anything. Your paycheck is finished except for whatever it takes to buy a cross lotto ticket. I've got no idea. Um, but you've got that left. So you go down to the newsagent and you purchase one ticket in the $200 million cross lotto. You think, this would be worth winning. And lo and behold, guess what happens? You win. Yeah. Would you be happy? You would be ecstatic. And guess what happens after that? A guy from the Lotteries Commission comes around and he gives you a cheque for $200. Million dollars to put in your bank account. Woo! Wouldn't that be absolutely amazing? And guess what? Once it had cleared, you would probably begin spending it. But imagine what would happen if suddenly, a week later, or possibly two weeks later, another guy claiming to be from the Lotteries Commission turns up and he says, I'm terribly sorry. He said, we didn't tell you this, but there are a few conditions on what you can do with this money. And you think, oh. He says, we didn't tell you about the 50% tax. He's like, what? 50% tax, and once you've cooled down, you sort of, you get the thing, you think, $200 million, $100 million, eh. It's still pretty, who would be still pretty excited with $100 million? You sort of think, well, I wish they'd told me that first. It's really disappointing, but $100 million is it's pretty good. So you accept that. And then they say, the other thing is, you've got to wear the right clothes. What you're wearing isn't what we expect of a lottery winner. And so we have this list of the right sort of clothes and the right brands, and you've got to wear them, otherwise you can't have the money. And you look, and there's some pretty decent brands in there, and you sort of think, wow, well, sure, Okay. And we'll provi- they'll provide the, uh, the consultant, the, dress, the uh, fashion consultant for you. You don't have to choose them, they've, they've got them for you. So you sort of think, like, oh, that's not so hard, I-, I can do that. Then they come around and say, your diet's wrong, you've got to eat the right food. And you sort of think, really? And they say, yeah, look, it's, it's a condition. I'm sorry we didn't mention this before, but it's a condition of winning the lottery that you've got to eat the right foods. Now, th- there's plenty there. I mean, it's not like you have to eat less of things, but you've, you've just got to eat the right food. And we've got a list here of what you can eat, and there's a list of what you can't eat. And so what do you do? You think, I can buy as much of it as I like. I mean, I'm rich after all. And just because I can't have oysters and stuff, who, who's fine with that? <laughs> and so you accept the condition. And you think, well, okay, it's not, I've got $100 million, they're dressing me, and it's not normally what I'd wear, but it's okay, and they're, they're making me eat certain things, but that's fine. And then they say, oh, sorry, there's one more. You've got to be circumcised, even if you're a woman. And you're thinking, hang on a second, hang on a second, that's a, just a bit, and they say, we well, have got somebody to do it. In fact, I think I've got their business card. Have we got the picture of their business card? <laughs> <laughs> they, give, they give you this guy's business card and they say, Look, you've got to go and visit him, and you've got to, got to be circumcised. And so you're on your way. You've got the business card in your hand, and you're on your way to this guy to get circumcised. And who do you bump into on the way? but the first guy from the Lotteries Commission who gave you the cheque. And he says, how's it going? You having a good life, having a good time? And you say, yeah, yeah, it's not bad. I'm on my way to get circumcised. He says, really? You're spending your money on circumcision? He says, yeah, and the clothes and and the food and the 50% tax. And suddenly you wonder why this guy is going purple. He's going, and he explodes. What?! What the hell is going on here? And you sort of like, woohoo, settle, settle. He says, There aren't any conditions. You've won it all. Who is this person who's told you this? Well, he's from the Lotteries Commission. No, he's not. He's a fake. He's taken you by the short and curlies in more ways than one. And he has led you up the garden path because they are not the conditions of winning the lottery at all. Somebody has misled you. The first guy from the lottery commission is Paul. He has gone to this Galatian church and he has preached the good news of the gospel to them. And they've got excited after all. The good news of the gospel is that no matter how wretched our condition, the grace of God elevates us to children of God with everlasting life. That is better than winning the lottery. And the Galatians are, woohoo, they are excited about this. (laughs) And he goes away. And they start having church, they start getting people in and suddenly somebody who claims to be the same as Paul says, oh, hang on, I don't think you've got it quite right and imposes all these conditions and of course Paul gets to hear about it, so he writes this letter and he says, you foolish Galatians, why on earth did you fall for this crap? He's He's sort of astonished. He's, he's puzzled. He's like, you know, my news was good news. H- how could you be excited about somebody trying to water it down? I mean, this is good news plus. You've heard of Google, and they introduced Google Plus. Well, good news plus is about should be about as popular as Google Plus. <laughs> I suppose there probably are some people. If you're using Google Plus, that's fine. And Google, if you're listening, um, I didn't. I didn't mean anything by that. <laughs> You never know who's listening to your podcasts. So, that in essence is what happens to the Galatians. Paul's preached the message of salvation by grace. And somebody else has come along and preached grace 2.3, which replaces grace 1.0 with grace plus conditions. And Paul is justifiably ticked. Now you might be thinking that I've been a bit vague about what Paul's actually on about here. And you're quite correct. Because I want to cover that in detail next time. So I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but I want to leave you with a particular thought this morning. that Paul's talking here about salvation. The message of grace is the message of salvation. And who is addressing with his concerns here? Is he addressing unbelievers? Is it new converts? Is it church fringe dwellers? Now those people who don't know the secrets because they don't read their Bible, listen to their podcasts and come to church. So they're not fully informed. Perhaps it's them that he's talking to. No, he is addressing the church professing Christians. See, we have a tendency to think of the Gospel as the ABC of the Christian faith. And so, we, we preach it to new converts and non-believers because it helps them get an understanding of the, the magnitude of the, the mercy and grace that God has to give us the gift of salvation. And we think, well, people who don't know Christ need to hear that. Because if they don't know I mean, cuz we think we can earn it. We think we can do stuff to show God that we're worthy of his grace and therefore we can be saved cuz we're not bad people after all. The message of the gospel is actually that we are more wretched than we ever believe. It's a bit of a downer. But the rest of the message of the gospel is that we get the grace of God impacting our lives in a way that we don't ever deserve and could never earn by doing nothing except accepting something. And the thing is that we preach that to people, and then of course once we've we've heard the message, once we've actually said, look, I'm going to accept God's grace. I'm going to walk as a Christian because I'm going to accept the grace he's put into my life and believe that Jesus can come into my life and change me. And once we've done that, often we think, well, okay, well, I've done that bit. Give me some meteor stuff let's learn about something else let's let's delve into the old testament let's talk about the veil in the temple and how there were three of them each heavier than the other and that it was forbidden to go behind the veil and that the it was so holy in there that even after the priests had washed themselves and changed their garments and purified themselves with oil they went in there with a rope tied to their ankle just in case they weren't hurt, weren't hurt wholly enough and dropped dead so that they could drag them out again because nobody could go in to get the body so they had to drag them out with a rope and if they weren't holy enough and dropped dead, that's what they did, they just dragged them out again and sort of, somebody else had to go through the procedure all the way thinking what's going to happen? We could study that. That could be really interesting stuff and often we get distracted by the fact that you know, these are things that, that can have impact in our life sometimes, mostly it's just head knowledge because you know, h- who has a veil in their home at the moment? Now, we have doors. We, we don't use veils. Who's ever walked into a glass door? <laughs> 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 you know, sometimes I think veils would be safer. <laughs> I, I had a friend once who had to have 90 stitches because he actually went through a, a plate glass sliding door and they're not gentle on the skin, believe me. The message of the book of Galatians that I want to share over the coming weeks and months is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the A to Z of Christian faith, not the ABC. It's something that's not just for new Christians, new converts and unbelievers. It actually is part of our lives from birth to the grave that has something which is, will change our lives and bring a dynamic new edge to who we are as Christians, if we can get hold of the gospel message. It gives personal growth. It teaches us about obedience and it teaches us about love. Who needs the first one? I'm not going to ask about the other two because I know we all need those. But personal growth will only come if you admit you need it. I mean, I am on fire for other people's personal growth. <laughs> Who's with me? I mean, we're all on, on fire because we can all see everybody else's faults. We know exactly what you need to do and you need to do and you need to do and you need to do. But then somebody says, well, what are you going to do? Oh, I don't need to do anything. We need to change the patterns of what we're doing and the book of Galatians holds the secret to how the gospel can change our lives no matter where we are in our Christian walk. And right now, as I bring this message to a close, I want us to actually reinforce that gospel message that Paul so vehemently defends to anybody who might be here who has never taken that step of accepting a, a gift of grace from God. Because we, we talk about in this church making that step of salvation, that step of accepting Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of people I know never make that step, not because they can't see the benefit of accepting God's grace, not because they can't see the lifestyle could help them, but because somewhere in their mind, in their brain somewhere, is embedded this idea that they are not good enough for God to accept them. And you're right none of us will ever be good enough for God to accept us on our merits there are people who sit there thinking "Well, the sins that I've done are so bad that I am so ashamed of that God could never forgive me wrong the lifestyle I lead is so anti-christian God would never see me as somebody who could be one of his followers one of his sons or one of his daughters God has a bigger imagination than you do. We think, and here's the kicker, we think I am never going to change who I am to fit in with what God wants because I am just so set in my ways. I, I don't really want to change what I am. Who is God to tell me what to do? We, we have all, all of these things that basically revolve around us. really when it comes down to it we're all selfish people not as selfish as you guys but uh, I only said that because you're all thinking that you're the least selfish amongst the group but when we come to a realization that we accept Jesus Christ and he comes into our life because of what he did he gave his life for us on the cross he did it before you were born He did it before you ever sinned. He did it before you ever walked away or or did whatever you've done in your life that you're too ashamed of to think that God could accept you. He actually gave you His grace before you did any of that. And doing any of it didn't change the grace. So I want to encourage you, we're never going to be good enough for God. It doesn't matter whether we spend most of our life trying to erase the sins of our past, I mean, it might be commendable on one level, but God's saying, well, that's not your job. That's my job. And I've promised I'll do it if you'll accept my gift of grace, even though I know you don't deserve it. But I don't care that you don't deserve it because it's just an act of grace on my part that I can do because my son Jesus loved you enough to die on the cross for your sins. That's it. Once we accept that gift of grace... And this is where the Book of Galatians is so powerful. Once we accept that gift of grace, there are implications. If somebody gives you a gift, what do you what's the first thing you do? You unwrap it and you open it. And the gift, if something useful, what do you do with it? You put it to use. And so that's what happens with the gift of salvation. We are presented with a gift that then we are expected to use. We are not expected to know what to do with the gift before we get it. We're not expected to understand it, we're not expected to get it right. All God says is, will you accept my gift of grace and accept the salvation that Jesus Christ died for? Can I ask everybody just to close their eyes? if you've never accepted that gift of grace or if perhaps you've accepted it before and then rejected it again because you haven't felt worthy then I want to give you an opportunity to accept that gift this morning by saying yes Jesus I want you in my life I know I don't deserve it but I'm willing to accept your gift and start on a pathway a new life with you in it. And you can do that by just praying. The Bible says that if we believe in our heart and speak it with our mouths, that Jesus Christ will come into our lives to be our Lord and Saviour because of His grace. While every head's bowed, every eye closed, is there anybody here this morning who would like to take that step of accepting God's gift of faith of grace, sorry to become a child of God if that's you this morning just lift up your hand where you're sitting I'll acknowledge that I can see that hand and we can pray a prayer out loud together to accept Jesus Christ is there anyone here? okay open your eyes look at me, look at me Salvation is a gift of grace. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. We will never do enough to be worthy of it. When we receive the gift, we can then unwrap it. My message, my warning to you this morning is that it doesn't work the other way around. You can't try and unwrap the gift before you get it. Because who'd like, there are some people I know who hate Christmas because they can't stand the uncertainty of not knowing what's in those pretty wrapped containers under the Christmas tree. And sometimes it's like that with salvation. People say, I don't want to do it because what's it going to be like? Well, I don't know. It's different for everybody. You can't unwrap your present before you get it. I'm sorry. And the importance of that. I, I'm going to cover next week I'm struggling right now because I want to tell you but I'm not going can I get you all to stand I want you to make a declaration now and I want, to make, I want you to make it for the person next to you because I know this is a lot easier because I know you'll mean it if you do that so turn to the person next to you and repeat after me I declare that you are going to be blessed your life is going to be changed you are going to get fresh revelation new patterns in your life and things are going to be different because you will be changed in Jesus name Amen So you believed that about another person didn't you and strangely enough it's easy to accept from another person but I believe that as we delve into this, as, as we discover the importance of the message of grace, we're going to find changes come into our life. It's going to be fabulous. You, you do need to do some homework, though. A good thing, I, you know, and I know it's cheating, but you could read Galatians. You know, just an insider tip there. Um, perhaps several times.